I'm going to turn to Romans 12. Thank you, God. Nothing's wasted. God, you waste nothing. There's someone that came here that everything that has happened this weekend and this morning almost kept you from coming. But you are here. You are tuning in on live stream. You are listening right now. And God wants to let you know that he who began a good work in you. Do you know that according to the almighty God, you are his good work? Anything else that says differently is a lie from the pit of hell. You are his good work. You are not rubbish. You are not filth. You are not a waste. You're not a lost cause. You're his precious son and his beloved daughter that he gave everything to even now be with you and forevermore. Nothing's wasted. I'd like for you to just follow along. I'm going to read the whole chapter, so stick with me. But I tell you what, in this eight-week series, this is the ninth week, Closing Out Let's Fight, I can't think of a better scripture passage that wraps everything up than this. Paul speaking. I appeal to you. He's begging. I believe he's writing this on his knees. He is writing to all believers who are marked with the precious blood of Jesus and are filled with the precious presence of God, Holy Spirit. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. How many understand that God's mercies are absolutely new every single morning? How many of you? Oh, oh, friends. Oh, friends. They're available to you. It's almost like you don't even have to buy a lottery ticket, y'all. It's there for you to receive and to take. To present your bodies as a living sacrifices. What do sacrifices do? They die. We're to die to ourself so that we can receive everything that Christ came and died and rose for to give us. Oh, I hope your spirits are open this morning. I hope you're listening to this incredible call to worship. By the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. It didn't say sing a song. It didn't say lift your hands. It didn't say repeat after me. It said lay down your life for me. And pick up something that is perfect and holy and acceptable to God. That's your lifestyle of worship. Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world. But be transformed. Say transformed. By the renewing of your minds. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. How many of you have grown up just wanting to know what God's will is for your life? He says renew your minds. Be transformed in the truth of God. And you will know his will and purpose for your life. What is the good and acceptable and perfect? Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, Paul, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body, say one body, we have many members, say many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Thank God. 
thank goodness we're not all the same. Do you realize how boring that would be? Now, if you were the same as me, that no, I'm kidding. Kidding. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having the gifts. Each one of you have a special gift given from heaven, from God Almighty. Do you know that? That you're special. You're his good work. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us then, or let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Say, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Say, abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo. Say, outdo. One another in showing honor. Our churches would look completely different if we just took that last phrase. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful. Do not be lazy in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in hard times. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, believers, all across this world, locally in your body here, other church bodies in our community, in our surrounding communities, in the United States, and in all countries around the world. Contribute to the needs of the believers and seek to show hospitality. Bless those, uh-oh, now it's getting tough. Bless those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you falsely. Bless those who falsely accuse you, who hate you. Do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Say harmony. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Be humble. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to what is good in the sight of all. If possible, are you listening? If possible, as far as it is up to you, be at peace with everybody. With everybody. Everybody. That includes on Facebook and social media. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Do you pray with me? I love you, Lord. You have the innermost part of my life. Father, I share things with you. And you share things with me. That no one else, even my my wife, no one else has experienced or knows. You know my thoughts. You know my wickedness. You know the evil I've done, the hurt I've caused. You know every thought that even is never spoken. You know everything there is to know about me. And I am so unworthy of your presence. I'm so unworthy. But Jesus, you stretched your arms wide on the cross. And you bled and died for me. 
And so I want to bleed for you, God. Jesus, let my heart bleed for you. Let everything else that I allow myself to bleed for, to melt away in your presence. For nothing, nothing even comes close to the worth and the value of knowing you, Jesus. Change our hearts right now. And anoint the gifts that you have so graciously given me. May people not hear from my heart, but they would hear from your heart. King Jesus, be enthroned. Be enthroned on the words that are spoken today. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Did you wake up this morning anticipating and expecting the King of Heaven to be all around you? delight in you and now he's going to teach you this series was birthed out of a very difficult series we did called a call to the church but in that series we we realized that God is calling the church those who proclaim Jesus as Lord not the local church, the church, the body of Christ. He's calling us to wake up and be the church that Jesus prayed for and is praying for. And we have all these issues happening around us. Abortion is a real deal around us. It is a real thing. It is a major dark problem in this cursed, sinful world. Would you agree? We have divorce all around us. Many sitting here have been through the ugliness of that. And I'm, I'm praying that God continues to, to restore you through the heartache of that. But because of the curse of sin, we deal with pain and separation and brokenness. Drugs and addiction is killing people every day, every minute. I would say every single person here knows at least one person that is stuck in some sort of addiction or has taken their life through an overdose or something caused through the influence of drugs, alcohol, you name it. We have political problems all around us. We're not unified as a country. And the people who are trying and, and, and pleading for our votes to unify us aren't unified themselves. And we've got this chaotic, broken cycle that's probably not going to be fixed anytime soon. We've got all this Catastrophe around us, murder, hate, racism, guns in schools, shooting, shootings, and, 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 and people filled with evil, doing harm to people, innocent people. And so we ask the question, God, what do we do? We see in scripture, God says, wake up. I don't call this Abortion, I call this slaughter and murder. You have a worship problem. You have left your first love. You have abandoned what you are designed to do, and that's worship God and God alone. And so we have taken the last eight weeks to say, church, 
If you are serious about following Jesus, we need to wake up. We need that like bucket of ice cold water thrown over our spirits to see the hurt and the brokenness around us. And then to align ourselves with you, Father. Awaken us with your spirit. Let us not be asleep anymore. And allow us to respond, not through judgment. We don't see that in Christ. Not through hate, not through pointing fingers, not through accusing, not through division. Why would we do that? But through compassion and love, humility, serving, laying our lives down. Church, this is the only way that we will be able to respond in a way that glorifies Jesus and in a way that has more power than you or I combined in the flesh. And so today I want us to look at these four items that we're talking about in responding to everything happening around us as Christians. Because if you, if you say Jesus is Lord of your life, you have a mark on your back. It's a good mark. It's the blood of Jesus. However, to the outsider and the unbeliever, they are watching you closely, closer than anyone else they're watching. Because they want to believe you. But they won't believe it until they see it. They won't believe it until they experience it. And sadly, some churches should never, ever open their doors to guests and unbelievers. Because they are not showing them the true body of Christ. And I pray that we would never have that issue here or else we, I believe, would need to close our doors. Because that's not what we see in Scripture. And my prayer for all of us, all of us, is that we would begin to respond to the evil and the darkness around us in a way that reflects and honors Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at these four. Now, I'm going to give a very, um, let's say, big picture overview of each one of those. And so if you missed any of these topics, we did two weeks for both. We set the first week, we set it up. The second week, we did some application and practicals of what it looked like. So if you missed any of those weeks or you just don't understand what I'm talking about or referring to, please go back online, our website or YouTube, and get back into what this is. Because I believe, I believe these four things, not excluding anything else that is good and in scripture, but these four things, if we begin to live these out, everybody, from the front to the back, if we begin to own these for ourselves and we begin to look at the body of Christ and what we're doing through this lens, I believe we will change the entirety of Blanchester. I believe it with all my heart. We can change Cincinnati by every single one of us being all in and living this out. It just takes one of you. One of me. One of you. To say I'm all in. And so we looked first and I brought, I don't know if you knew it was show and tell today. But I brought some objects to hopefully help us understand that if we implement these four weapons that are not made of this earth, they're powerful, they destroy strongholds, they're the ones that we're supposed to use when we respond to anything. If we do this, I promise you, it will change your life. And in doing so, it will change the others around you, especially those who don't know Jesus and don't speak your Christianese. Why would we expect an unbeliever to act like a believer when they're not? When a lot of believers don't act like believers. We need to love them and embrace these four weapons in hopes that the Spirit of God would capture their heart. And so the first one is truth. Can you say truth? 
We referred it to a belt in Ephesians. It talks about the armor of God. It talks about the belt of truth. Why does it use a belt to say it's truth? Because just like a belt, it's strong. Most belts can't be broken. They're thick. They have substance. They have power. But they're created to hold something together. It also is created to hold things up. (laughs) We need to sell these to our younger students. I'm kidding. Actually, I hardly ever wear a belt. You see me do this a lot. You need to say, get a belt. It holds us up. For police officers, it also holds their gear. Law enforcement, it holds their gear. For carpenters in construction, it has it all in convenience. They can grab it at any point and it's a part of them. It holds things close together. It keeps things from falling apart. It keeps you looking like a fool. It keeps you from looking like a fool. I said that last time. I won't say it again because it's getting old. The word of God is the only absolute truth. Everything else aligned to the word of God that doesn't agree with the word of God is a lie. It is false. The word of God is true. It is perfect. It is never changing, never failing. It will never come back empty. You can stand on it. You can trust on it. And you can wear it. You're supposed to wear it. It's not made to just dwell in a book and sit on your table or your shelf. You're to wear it. That means you don't always read it. You live it. You hide it inside your heart. It becomes a light, a lamp unto your feet. It guides you. It doesn't just hold you together. It's a guardrail. And it keeps you focused on God, his plan for you. His plans are good. His truth is not legalistic. Here's the thing. Has any of you tried, and maybe you do this, maybe you're on your last loop, and you pull it as tight as you can. Maybe you want to really look, you know, suck it in and look like you've lost some weight or whatever. Or maybe you just want it as tight as possible. I don't know personally who would ever do that. Because what does it do? It constricts you. It takes the breath out of you. It's not comfortable. You don't feel free. You can't bend over fully. You can't have movement. It sucks the life out of you. The word of God was never created to be this belt that sucks the life out of you. The word of God was never created to be a belt that goes on your backside. And is used as a weapon of punishment. The word of God is true and good. It's like healing balm. To the body. The word of God is to lift you up and to support you, not tear you down. It's to give you a label. Pastor Daniel rocked the house when the Spirit of God spoke through him about who has the right to label you. This belt of truth that comes from the knowledge of God is the only thing that has the authority to label you and to speak into your life. This belt should be a filter before you allow anything in your body, your spirit, your mind, your emotions. It's got to go through the word of God. That's why you need to know it, not to look holy, not to have the right answer for everybody necessarily, but for you to use it as a filter against the lies and the labels of the enemy. The only one, students, 
The only one that has the right to label you and give you an identity and a name is the one who bought you, who made you, and who identifies you as his own. Women, the only one that has the right to speak into your value and your worth and your identity as a woman, as a wife, as a mom, as a daughter is the one who made you. Is that person you're believing what they're saying about you? Did they make you? Did they shed their blood for you? Last time I checked, they didn't. There's only one. And he identifies you as his child. So you want to know your label? Go through the truth of God. Go through the word of God. Speak with other believers and allow them to pour the word of God in you. We have access to technology like never before. Listen to the word of God. Listen to songs grounded in the word of God. Listen to sermons that teach you who you are. And if a pastor is speaking to you and you don't know it as truth, you better go back to your belt and make sure that he is speaking truth. The word of God brings freedom and joy and such pleasure and such delight. But you have to wear it. You have to wear it. You see, church, when we are grounded in truth, everything will hold together. It will be okay. And you won't look like a fool. And even though you fall and maybe you fail and maybe you trip The word of God is right there. His mercies are new every morning and he picks you up and he brushes you off and he makes you new and makes you new and makes you new and makes you new. And you know what that's called? It's called sanctification, looking more and more and more like Jesus. But you cannot look like Jesus if you're not looking into his mirror. The word of God is the mirror of Jesus. And so can we look at this response through truth? Let's look at this. First, we need to know truth. Could you just participate with me? Say, no truth. Do you know it? Do you know it? Do you know the gospel message? Do you know what God says about you? Do you know it? The problem is, is many of you know it better than others, but you don't do the next. You don't absorb it. You don't receive it. You don't put it through your belt loops. Be really silly attaching the belt and not putting it in the loops. But that's what we do when we know it and we don't absorb it. We need to speak it. Do you know the most powerful weapon you have is your tongue? And it can do either incredible, powerful, heavenly good or incredible, demonic bad. And so when we're grounded and absorbing truth, when we speak, mountains move. When we speak the word of God, we can be changed. But you have to speak it. And in order to speak it, you need to absorb it. And in order to absorb it, you need to learn it. Number four is now live in the freedom of the support of that belt. Live in the freedom that that belt is attached and nothing's going to break it. It's never going to fail you. Live in that freedom but you have to, you have to speak it, you have to absorb it, and you have to take it in. The second one is worship. And one of the most disservices that we could do to the body of Christ is to teach people that worship is music and song. It's a huge part of our culture, more than it ever has been. 
But it always has for hundreds and hundreds of years. Music has been a gateway to the soul. You know, God created that that way. But worship is so much more than song. It's where the worth in our heart comes from. In Luke, it's a beautiful story of a woman who had had probably a previous encounter with Jesus. Her sins were forgiven. Maybe she was healed. It doesn't really say. But she, has, she had experienced the power of Jesus, the Messiah. And jars back then were made of a very precious, precious stone. It was expensive. Not just the contents in it, it was expensive. It was usually white or marble because that was the purity color of the stone. And the purpose of the jar was to preserve and keep things pure. That was the purpose. You could store it for hopefully as long as you possibly needed. And if it was really precious perfume or ointment or oil in here, a lot of times they would take wax. Sometimes it would be, it's called an alabaster box in some scriptures. Sometimes it's a vase, it's a jar. Whatever shape it was in, it was made out out of this pure stone. And sometimes they would literally take wax and pour it around the seals of that vessel. So that if it was dropped or if it was moved, or different climate settings, that the content so precious, so expensive, that it would be sometimes a year or more worth of wages in here. This was precious. They didn't just pour it out on them every day to smell good. They used it for the most important purposes that were worth what was in here. And when this woman experienced the life change of Jesus. She took it all. And I really wish, part of me wants to just drop this and let it shatter, but I won't. But she broke it without hesitation. Broke it. And anointed the feet. Feet were the most defiled part of the body. Feet were dirty. People of the lowest statue would be the only ones that washed your feet. And she anointed his feet with the most expensive, precious perfume. That, my friends, is worship. Each one of you has the most precious, a most precious gift inside of you. The most precious things, whether it's your gifts, it could be things that you're talented at, things you value, the way you're made, the things you love most, the things you're the strongest at. That is the precious perfume inside of you that no one else has. And it only belongs to one person. And it's the one who made you, bought you, and identifies you as his child. And yet, friends, we waste our precious oil by breaking ourselves open for things that aren't worth it. Things that are going to fade away tomorrow. And we rob our father of the beautiful fragrance when we break it for him. Psalms 51 says, you don't delight in sacrifices, God. What you delight in is a broken spirit and a contrite right heart. That's what he wants from you. And you see, in order for you to pour out the most precious, special things in your life, number one, you need to have relationship with it. 
you're not going to give the most precious, hopefully not, give the most precious thing in your life to someone you don't know, someone you don't value, someone you don't adore, someone you don't honor. You're going to give it to someone who is the most special person to you. But you need to understand the value and the splendor and the priceless benefits of Jesus. Because just like this woman who understood and her eyes were open that she was forgiven of everything, that she had value, that she had worth, she dropped it at the feet of Jesus and used it all to pour out on him. You see, there's several different forms of worship. This morning we came in and we declared the goodness of God. We declared it. And that's awesome. And you can declare the goodness of God and yet not pour a single drop of this out. You can proclaim the goodness and the mightiness and the awesomeness of God. You can proclaim it. You can declare it. But you can still do that and not drop or break that precious part of you. But there is one form of worship that requires this to be broken. And it's called adoration. It is the most intimate form of worship. Like we experience at the end of that worship of adoring our dad. That he was holy. Are you Lord God almighty? Worthy is the lamb. That was slain. For you are holy. You cannot adore something without knowing its value and its true worth. And you cannot adore something that you haven't truly, sincerely experienced. But friends, when you experience and you taste the goodness and the majesty and the worth of Jesus... No question. Your life will be able and begin to pour out the fragrance of adoration to God. And it will change the atmosphere. And you will begin to reek with the goodness and the compassion and the worship of God. What are you pouring out? What are you pouring into? Thirdly, we look at incense as the object. And the third piece was prayer. I grew up in in church, and I always thought prayer was literally saying good morning, God, and good night, God. And just laying some requests out before him. And you know what? It is that. Oh, but it's so much more. And incense really tells us about the power and the importance of prayer. In Exodus, we see where incense was was first brought in the picture, I believe, when they're creating the tabernacle, which is God's model for worship. You want to know what worship looks like even today? Look at the tabernacle. You are now the temple of the living God, and so we should look like the tabernacle. Worship. So we enter the gates of the tabernacle with what? Thanksgiving? Yeah. How often do we enter into prayer? Hey, God, I need this. God, why are you doing this to me? God, my day sucks. God, I don't understand. And see, God's such a forgiving, merciful God that he just says, it's okay. I love you. But man, when we enter into his presence with thanksgiving. But here's the thing, the next thing. The very first thing before you start to get closer to the presence of God is the brazen altar of sacrifice, which is interesting. Romans 12.1 tells us that, to be living sacrifices. And the fragrance on the outside courts where the sacrifices are given reek of flesh. The stench of dying flesh to remind us of the disgust, the defilement of our sin. And back then, priests then could go into 
the inner tent where ministry was done so that once a year the most high priest can have everything prepared so that they can go into the most holy place through the veil and enter in the presence of God. You see, if things weren't prepared in a holy, sacred manner, the high priest would not survive the presence of God. And so to cover the stench of flesh, as you got close and closer to God, was incense. And incense has always and will always represent our engagement and deepening in relationship to the most holy father. Prayer is intimate dwelling in the presence of God. Once you know that your sins are forgiven and God has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. He's saying, I have raised up incense, a sweet fragrance, so that when you speak to me and you run to me, I don't see, smell the stench of sin. I smell the stench of forgiveness and righteousness. You have been made new. And incense was lit in the morning and at night, and it burned 24-7. And do you know where it burned? in front of the veil that kept us from the presence of God. You know where I'm going? Yeah. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross and he took his last breath, the veil in the temple tore from the top to the bottom, saying, Hebrews 10, now we can boldly enter into the throne room of God. Non-stop incense in our lives. What is incense? It's that engagement and deepening our walk and our fellowship and our love life with God. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5 says pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean just stop, get on your knees and just pray all day long. What it says is engage Let incense rise every single moment of your life. Be aware of God's great presence in you and around you and wanting to work through you. So let me ask you, in your day-to-day life, in your 24-7, do you have incense burning to the Father? Or are you checked out until things just fall apart? Because the beauty of prayer is us just walking in fellowship with the Almighty Father. So that then when we really do pray for something, we already have faith that it's going to be done. Because we're praying in relationship and alignment with God. So let's look at our response for prayer. I want you to ask these two questions this week. How can I partner with you, God? Do you know that prayer is a partnership? It is a partnership. He wants to hear from you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to hold you. He wants to hold you up. He wants to love you. He wants to bless you. But he also wants you to hear him and experience him. Hold him in your heart. Love on him. It's a relationship. He wants you to know him. And he wants you to be known by him. It's beautiful. And then ask, God, would you just open my eyes and deepen my awareness and engagement with you today? If you just make that a prayer in your mind, whatever you're doing, it may even be mindless, yard work, planting, reading a book. Whenever you just come to mind, Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Just love what you're doing. And when you hit a stressful part, say, God, I need to stop. I'm so sorry for what I said. That was not of you. I ask you to just align me. I need your power. I need your strength, God. I can't do this on my own. I trust in you. And now, Father, 
I don't have wisdom right now. Would you just speak to me? And now I get in my car and now I'm working and he's speaking to me. Because my spirit is awake and alert. It's not a checklist thing. It's a relationship thing. And lastly, last week we ended this and we looked at unity. And the best description or illustration I can think of is Legos. I did not make this. Thank you, Carson. Wiz. What's amazing about this is this is made of all different little pieces, shapes, and sizes. And if you could put that Romans 12 up there, um, Tiffany, if you don't mind. It says this, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another having gifts that differ according to one another. There's beauty in that. There's such beauty in that. All of us are different. We're supposed to be. Don't let it divide you. We're to serve one another. We have to function together so that we click and connect and fit into each other. But in order to do that, you need to make yourself available. You need to be willing to connect with others. You need to be willing to pour out your worship by serving and loving others. What does love look like? I tell you what, if we can get this right, whew, everything else will fall into place. Can we look at that love scripture? It's the next one. Let love be genuine. I think the New Living Translation says, don't just love, love for real. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another. Do not be lazy in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with others. Do not be haughty, but associate with lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And as far as it depends on you, be at peace with one another. All of this stems from having a humble heart to allow God to work through us with his love and his power. Are you quick to forgive? Are you quick to point the finger? Are you a quick to assume the best about somebody when you hear something or read something or see something? Because perception is twenty twenty. What we perceive, we see as truth. And a lot of times it's not always truth. So are we willing to give our brother and sister the benefit of the doubt before we talk to them? Or do we just assume the worst and put up a fence around us that that person can no longer get through? You cannot have unity without forgiving and having short accounts. You cannot forgive and have short accounts without being humble and emptying yourself. Church, we need to begin to serve together under the purpose of the kingdom of God. And the end of June, we're going to go into a vision series for ECC. We're going to share what it looks like to serve here. What does it look like to be part of this family? What is our vision for the next five to 10 years? What do we long to see? How can you get connected? How can you grow? This is for you. And so we're so excited to unveil that. And so... For unity, the response is three things. Number one, how can I love others right now? Not how, how they can love me or how they can serve me or how they can make things work better for me. How can I love them right now? This is hard. This cannot be done without the spirit of God inside of us. Number two, how can I serve others today? And look more and more like Jesus. 
And last, how can I be at peace with others as much as it is up to me with others? And so in closing, this last slide kind of has all the themes to it of truth, worship, prayer, and unity. I want us to understand that when we activate the word of God and we place it in the belt loops of our lives and we secure it and we know it and we absorb it and when we speak it and when we live it, together there is power in that. And you start to operate along the lines of God's purposes. And you begin to live your life of worship, pouring out the most precious things in you for the glory and the worth of Jesus Christ. It's out of that freedom that then you can align your hearts with God and deepen your walk and be present with the mighty, most holy God 24-7. And so then when you move, when you speak, and when you think, it's the words, it's the power of God in you and through you. And then the unity truly is the power that us as a church has to an unreached, dying, lost world. They don't care what you know in truth until they feel it and experience it. And so I would like for all of us, we're going to take communion in just a moment. It's for anyone who calls Jesus their Lord and we're just gonna focus on what God has done for us and the worth of Jesus. And we're just going to experience the elements together. They're gonna pass it out. If you would just hold it together and then we'll come up and we will um, lead us all into communion together. But I wanna close us out with this. Would you stand? Thank you for being patient with me. To wrap up a series takes some time and so I... I I greatly appreciate you just being engaged. And I really hope that this will start to come alive and make sense into you. And we would see the fruit here in this body and in this community.